Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development and holidays, because it is holidays, or it's in the middle of holidays. Although apparently, apparently, like places like the UK and America don't really do like the Christmas shutdown thing that we tend to get here. That so that's kind of weird. Really? Yeah. Is that something that like have you when you were there last Christmas, right? Yeah, I guess kind of. people do work pretty much straight through. There's no like yeah guaranteed or forced leave over the holiday period. You get off your public holidays, and that's about it. Yeah, and I mean, if you work in if you in Australia, if you work in the public service. Public service literally shuts down over Christmas, so there's like a week and a half or so that it's just like there's there's nobody like there's nobody. And I think they they pay you for it, right? And it doesn't come out of your leave. Yeah, they pay. That yeah. is a good yeah, deal. Do. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> great. If you work in the private sector, that's probably not the case, though. No, we'll probably do the shutdown, but they'll probably take it out of your leave. Yeah, that's very common, unfortunately. But we're not on leave at all. Well, I mean, we are, but, you know, we're here. It's the 28th and we're here. This is episode number 73 and it's supported by our amazing patrons who support the show, help, you know, make sure that the show goes out by, you know, making sure that we, you know, stay on top of our server bills and stuff like that. It's very exciting. But, uh, you know, it's it's exciting to us, and we're really thankful. Uh, this Pretty much all of this year we've had uh, our patrons have paid our bills, and it's that's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, you know, making sure that, that all of our, like, server stuff is, is paid for, and that's, that's oh, we're so thankful. So thankful to all of you, you know, all of you patrons for uh, the, you know, the contributions that you've made to that. And I'm sure that all of our listeners are also thankful, potentially. <laughs> Hey, I wonder if anyone is um, listening to this on like a shiny new iPhone or something, or a giant iPad Pro. Oh, cause, because you know, Christmas, so yeah. people might have gotten them for Christmas. Yeah, or an iPod Touch. Yeah, an iPod Touch, maybe. <laughs> do, people, do people still give those? A Mac Pro, a new Mac Pro. Mac Pro. I don't know. Interesting. Could be anything. Yeah, nice. I've got my iPad Pro. I, I don't I don't need, you know, I don't really need a new device after that. That's my... You don't want another one? No, I'm not. I'm not a big iPad guy. Get, get ha, it? That's a pun because it's a big iPad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I am. I I have. I mean, I got the iPad Pro to to do some illustration stuff with. Um, but I won't. I won't go into that. I won't go into that. That's a that's a, that's a topic for for another podcast and another time. Yeah, I do. I did write a review, so I'll, I'll throw the link for that in the show notes. Yeah, it's probably a couple of weeks old now, but you know that's fine. So this week, this episode, I thought that uh, it's, I mean, it's a little bit weird. Nobody's listening because it's holidays and people are kind of, you know, chilled, especially in America or the Northern Hemisphere. And I thought that we could do a little bit of something, something a little bit different and kind of look back over the past year at some of the things that we've kind of, you know, that we've kind of learned or, or things that have happened or things that we've, you know, that we're... You know, just you know, a look, a look back, and uh, and kind of a reflection on on 2015 as it was, and I, I thought that might be a nice idea. So we'll just you know, you you can say some stuff, and I'll say some stuff, and we'll have a bit of a conversation. It'll be it'll be lovely, and we'll sit here and we'll drink hot chocolate, eggnog, eggnog. Is that oh god, eggnog is awful. 
I'll stick with <laughs> the hot cocoa. Eggnog is the best, but okay. Oh, no, it's man, it, it is made out of egg. It is right oh, there yeah. in the name. <laughs> and eggs like, are disgusting. It's like jelly poison. <laughs> <sighs> yes. How did I forget? So I'll just I'll stick to I'll stick to hot cocoa and we'll uh you know, even though it's like, you know, forty degrees or whatever here, and uh we'll we'll go for it. Yep, sounds good. So I I figure I'll kick you, I'll, I'll kick it off. One of the things that I I I kind of uh, learned this year, uh, and it sounds kind of obvious, but it's something that is kind of I'm starting to really gradually get a real grasp on, uh, and that's kind of that it's becoming apparent that to me that it's not really possible to know everything in mobile development anymore, or just in like you know even iOS development, right? Earlier this year, when I when I you know let, left my job to to go you know to to strike out on my you know own again, I kind of had the I had this idea that I would spend some time getting to know like Android and stuff like that, and it really hasn't happened. And I think part of the reason for that is that I'm just it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the sheer amount of stuff that you have to know, even just in iOS these days. Like, and especially since. You know, we've had Apple Watch get released and TVOS get released. And, you know, these are things that are... I mean, the the frameworks are mostly the same, but they they have their own little kind of idiosyncrasies, I guess, where, you know, you have to know very specific stuff. Like, you you know, you have to know, like, for instance, TVOS, you can't use, like, a web view. You have to, you have to kind of find a way around that. Or, you know, you might want to use TVML to, you know, build at least part of your app if if you want to go that way. And obviously there's the whole thing with the watch where it, you know, it changed halfway through the year. And it's really hard to like it's hard to grasp all of that sort of stuff. Do you do you find that at all? Yeah, one hundred percent. So as someone who tries to know both iOS and Android, just when you think you're on top of it, you realize there's so much you don't know about. So I I really noticed it like I don't know much about extensions. I've done zero watch kit. I've done no tvOS. Um, and then on Android, I was just getting on top of it. And then suddenly we've got Android 6.0s coming out. And there's just so many changes. And most of the time, it's all right. Like, I find it pretty easy to pick the stuff up as I need to know it. But the hard part comes when yeah. you need to talk to someone about it. So, like, say you go to a meeting and we're all throwing around ideas. You kind of need to know what's possible and what's not possible. And so right. that's the bit I kind of struggle with. You know, they're like, let's make an, a today extension that, oh, I don't know, something impossible. And I'll just be like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then later get back and read more into it and go, oh, no, that's not possible. So, yeah, right. definitely. But I mean, I've done, I, I haven't done any Android stuff, but I've definitely done some web stuff in the past couple of weeks. And it was really interesting kind of because, I mean, I hadn't really touched much web I mean, very little here and there between you know when I when I left the design agency, uh, and and kind of recently, um, I touched very little web stuff, and it was almost like it was so very odd that like it like my brain space had kind of like shoved it at, like you know shoved it in the closet, and you know locked the door yeah. to make room for everything else that I was dealing with at the t- like, you know, with, you know, dealing with iOS and modules and, you know, all the work that I was doing in that space. And I came back to like doing web stuff and picking up like WordPress and all that sort of stuff. And I had to like, I find myself having to like reread a whole bunch of the, like the docs to remember like 
what I have to do here and there and, you know, to get this result and looking back over some of my old code in order to try and like get another, like get my grasp back. And it was, it kind of like, that was kind of, I think the thing that really started to twig for me that it's really hard to have that kind of like the, the brain space kind of, you know, flip flopping about in all these different directions that I'm, Oh, I'm going to know something about, uh, you know, I'm going to know something about Android and I'm going to know something about iOS and, you know, and extensions and watch OS and I'm going to do some Mac development. There are so many directions that you want to go and kind of almost need to go if you're, especially if you're creating like a product for like, you know, that you want to sell. It's really nice to be able to create like a Mac version and a, an yeah. iOS version, maybe have an Android version put it on also on watch you know it might, it might be a video app so you want to put on the tv or or whatever or it's a clock i don't know but it's really like it's actually a really difficult thing to if unless it's really si- like a really simplistic type of app there are so many things that you have to know in all of those different directions in order to make it work and it's kind of that's kind of hard i, th- I think that's kind of hard yeah you're never going to be an expert at all of them you can get to a point where you're good enough to build like basic things but like if something complicated comes along, yeah, it's going to be too much. So as a as a person who works in like works cross platform on both Android and iOS, do you feel like one developer can be cross like really truly be cross platform, or do you feel like by going back and forth you're losing out on something in kind of both worlds? Yeah, I flip flop a lot on this question. I don't know. Some some days I think, yeah, it can totally be done. And then other days, normally around the release of something, I go, oh, it's too much. <laughs> I can't keep it all in my head. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I definitely feel like it slows me down a lot of the time. You know, so if I've done a couple of months on Android and suddenly I got to pick up some iOS, it's totally yeah. a lot of doc reading and, oh, I used to know how to do this. Like, how do you set the text on a text view thing? Yeah, <laughs> like really simple stuff just goes out of your head. How, how do you apply? How do you apply um, text uh, annotations? Is, annotations is that the right word, even the right word? See, I've been out of I've been out of iOS for like a couple of weeks, and I've already forgotten what what it is with the rich like what the name of the rich text thing is. Attri- uh, attributed string. Attributes, attributes, yeah, yeah. Attribu- attributed strings. Oh, yeah. Who knows? No one knows how to do that without looking it up. It's like writing a predicate. No one can write predicates. <laughs> I can write a predicate. I can write a predicate without looking it up. Although oh, I use mostly use block predicates, predicates with blocks. Okay. These days, I very rarely use string predicates. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Actually, I wonder if there's like a if there's like a difference. Like it maybe maybe one is faster than the other. Maybe I should be doing strings where where possible. Yeah, well, mm. this is the kind of stuff that you miss out on, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the really fine grain stuff. You've got a general idea of how to write everything, but keeping on top of like the latest best practice because they move so fast. It's, that's the bit yeah. that yeah. you find, at least that I find hard. I also think it's difficult in that uh, like it, it, find, it makes it really hard to jump into like new things that come out. If you're if you're kind of step it like got feet in both worlds, it's really hard to like, you know, a new library comes out that's you know super awesome, and oh, I could I can totally see like I I want to use that for you know some things, and oh, I don't really like I kind of have time to do it right now, and I've I'm kind of actually already I'm in Android right now, and I need to like 
you know, finish this up and then maybe I can get over there. And then you do and it's like you spend a good 20 minutes just like reading something and you're going, I just, what did that even, yeah, okay, what? Uh, no, I still don't know. I don't, I don't even know what that says. I, I think I might need to read some docs. <laughs> yeah, that's what it always comes back to. Like I, I feel like it, it kind of, yeah, you lose out on a lot of that stuff. Uh, which is unfortunate. Like, it's sad that that is kind of the case, but it kind of, I mean, we've talked about recently how, like, in, uh, over, like, you know, the last few episodes, I guess, how apps are kind of bigger than you, they, they seem, you know, to, to a lot of people. And, I mean, that kind of comes, it is kind of what it is, I guess, is that the ecosystem or the multiple ecosystems of just, you know, development, development in general each one is kind of so large in and of itself. And then you add, like, if you want to try and do multiple different ones, it's kind of crazy. I guess that's kind of, I mean, Swift recently got open, actually, like, actually got open source. And I, I guess that's kind of, like, that's kind of a little bit exciting in that kind of area. Because, I mean, most of the stuff that I do is either iOS or web. And theoretically, now I could just use Swift yeah. for both. It'll definitely happen. Like, someone will <coughs> release a server-side Swift framework, and that's I'm excited for that because that's something yeah. that I feel is really lacking in my skill set is, I guess, back-end skills. So I can do basics. Like I can set up a, a database and then be able to have a basic API that basically dumps the whole database to JSON. Like that's the extent mm. of my skill. But go further than that and I'm done. It's over. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, it's not like like, and I do a lot of web stuff. Like, I do a fairly significant amount of web stuff. I built like I've you know I built all of the websites for the various podcasts that I'm on. I don't, I don't use Squarespace because I'm just not that guy. And uh, like I and I've also like built CMS that we use to actually manage them and stuff like that. Like that's all like that's all stuff that I've worked on. Like it's, it's my own thing. So it's not like I'm no good at web stuff, but every single time that I come back to it after like, you know, even like a month of, of being away, like not, not actually doing a lot of it, it's always like this investment of time that I have to kind of apply in order to kind of go back to it. And I mean, that sounds like it, that, that can kind of sound like the answer is just don't like, you know, just do, you know, use something else for the back, you know, the back end stuff of, uh, for, for whatever. And yeah, that, that's kind of, I mean, that's that's kind of an answer in many ways. Like, don't take on, you know, don't take on things that you can just, you know, that somebody else can do for you. But I think it's worthwhile actually having an understanding, even if it's like, even if it's a simplistic and whatever understanding of how, you know, server stuff works, because it, it, it will help you, I think, in the end anyway. Totally. But it's just another another platform or framework to get your head around. Yeah. Yeah. So Swift, so Swift on the uh, Swift on Linux, well, Swift on you know, you know a, a web framework for Swift can't come fast enough. Yep. All right. So I guess I've been my ones are more like stuff I've been working on this year. So a bit of a focus around, I guess, my coding style and how I lay out my projects and things like that. So one of the big things I've been working on, I think, especially since WWDC this year, is using protocols over inheritance or composition over inheritance is, I think, the technically correct term. Yep. Um, so I guess the whole protocol-oriented programming that we saw that awesome talk on at WWDC, it was a real eye-opener. We'll throw it in the show notes. But then you get back to the, you get back to the real world, and it's, it's, kinda, it's a big change, and it's really hard. So I've had some wins, 
and I've had some losses where it's been almost like a get reset hard. That's no good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you no, looked into it at all? Protocol oriented programming? No, not really. I mean, I don't do a lot of Swift yet. Uh, I've done a little bit of Swift uh, for Gifwrapped, and I've done Swift for other projects. And I mean, it's not like Objective C doesn't have protocols, but it's kind of a different thing, really. I think. Um, and I do use protocols a lot, but just I don't necessarily know if it's in the same way. Yeah, so you could totally do it in Objective C. Okay. I mean, Swift helps. So you one of the drawbacks of doing it is you end up with a lot of, I guess, forwarding methods or re-implementing of methods everywhere. So uh, you might implement a protocol that basically just passes that method call on to some other class. Yeah. At least with Swift, you can do default implementations of protocols. So that really helps. Right. Uh, but it's like quite handy just in thinking about your overall layout of your code I've found. So I'd like to look at it as a your object has a something rather than is a something. Because you can have yeah, okay. as many things as you want, really, but you can only ever be, at least in Objective-C and all the languages we work in, you can only ever be one thing. And so it gives you more flexibility right. in laying out your code. And it also allows you to break up your code a lot more. So you end up with less massive view controller and much more manageable small files that kind of um, divide up the responsibility really nice. So that's the biggest thing I've found. Okay. Because, I mean, I use mostly... Pro- like, my main use for protocols is to define, I guess, kind of what it has, but more so what it kind of... I mean, it is kind of the isa instead of a haza, which is opposite of what you were saying. Yeah. But it's not so much that, like, this is a wheel. It's more like this is a wheel that touches the ground, and so I use protocols kind of for that last bit. It's like so. I mean, in the example, and I think I've, I've I think I've mentioned this before in a previous episode. Like in the example of gift wrapped items, so images that like the the actual gifts in the in the thing, they can, they can be mutable or not mutable, and I use a protocol to define like to define the, that uh, behavior. Um, that's and it. It's the implementation that figures it out. Yeah, no, that's totally it. That is it. That's it. Nice. I knew I was doing it and I didn't even know it. A really relevant example would be your table view controller. So instead of making your view controller be a UI table view data source and a UI table view delegate, even though they are implemented as protocols, what you would do instead is they would have a data source and have a delegate object and you would forward on calls, and then it's like nicely divided up, right? So you got a nice file with your data, just the table view data source, and a nice file just with the table view delegate, and your view controller just knows where to go when it needs to know. Yeah, okay. So I do that as well. Like I, I stopped using, uh, or at least for the data source, like my data sources, I stopped, I stopped using the view controllers as my data source yeah. quite a long time ago. I still keep the the view controller is the delegate 90% of the time because a lot of the time I find that it's like, I mean, especially in the case of view controllers, like most of my use of view, like of table view controllers rather, is that I'm just like, you tap the cell and it pushes in another view controller. And yeah. so it's like the one call, so I just leave it in there. Yeah, totally. So it can it can get messy, which is what I mean. Like sometimes you have a loss where you've just ended up I guess forwarding on so much stuff, it would have just made more sense to put it back in the original spot. To leave it in there in the, yeah. Another thing which I find really helps is instead of making a separate object, what you can do is just 
I mean, at least in Swift, extend. So you can extend your view controller to become a delegate. And so then you kind of yeah, okay. get a bit of advantages of both, right? So you've still got access to all the things from the view controller that you need. Yep. But yep. it is nicely split off. Either you put it at the bottom of your view controller source, or you can even put it in another file completely. Yeah. Just the extension to become a delegate. Yep. So that's really cool. I have done something similar, not using protocols or, I mean, obviously Objective-C doesn't really have extensions, but Objective-C does have categories. Yep. And it kind of does have extensions. Like if, you, if you're typing in, the, in your, you, you start typing, you know, at, I think, interface, it will give you the option of like category extension, category something else, something else. Yep. And you can totally like you can so you can totally like create an extent like you know separate them out that way and I've I've definitely done that because like it's I, I like to have my code kind of contained and kind of this is this this area of the file is all about this thing and this area of the file is all about that yeah. thing or separating them out into different files it just makes it a lot easier for my brain to like remember where everything is. That's it. You're totally doing it. You're right there. Yes. I didn't even know about really about protocol-oriented programming, and I'm doing it. I feel good. I feel awesome. I mean, obviously, you can go so I much further. on my own. But I think we're pretty much at the same place. Like, Awesome. That's exciting. So to continue moving forward, I thought I might... like I, One of the things that uh, kind of really changed for me this year, uh, like significantly changed for me this year, was leaving my job and going indie in quotes, I guess. I, you know, I, I had done the freelance thing before. Like I've done freelance and I'm, I'm actually pretty good at, you know, doing the freelance thing. And obviously I've, you know, I, I, we had the episode about client stuff uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, and the, the, like, so I, you know, I've done the freelance thing before, uh, even before I, you know, before I started the design agency and stuff like that. But going indie was a really, really different thing and kind of a big decision and really hard in comparison because it's not this thing where, so like, you know, going out and finding client jobs, I mean, it's not something that I necessarily enjoy or really want to do, but, you know, I I can do it and I tend to find them when I need them. That's always great. Um, but doing the indie thing and trying to create your own products and trying to associate, like even just like the focusing that time, like, you know, focusing that time I find is really difficult. I don't know if you've felt like if you felt, have you felt this with, you know, with being freelance or, you know, even with working overseas, like have you felt any of that sort of, those sort of feelings while? Oh, of course. Like I think everyone sometimes questions their choices that they've made. Um, I mean, some of them are yeah. forced on them. Like I didn't, really have too much choice about moving overseas for my wife's job. So, you know, be supportive. Off we go. Yep. But, you know, you've made them, so you just got to deal with it, I guess. So, I mean, I, I've one of the things that have kind of come out of that is that I'm learning that I'm learning that some days are not about, and I, this, this, I guess, applies a, a lot to even freelance stuff and even just working in a in a regular job. Some days... Like some programming days, like work days, are not about sitting in front of Xcode and typing in your know, lines of code. Some of those, some of the days, uh, I find are about planning and thinking and and just trying to figure out what your next move is. So, like you know, and and some days, like I, you, you don't even, you won't even open Xcode. You'll just be 
like you you won't even necessarily be like work work working like you know working working it'll be like just thinking and being uh, i guess uh you know having a bit of a kind of trying to put together a plan and maybe you know flesh out some ideas that you have or uh you know or or just kind of uh you know storyboard but not like you know story you know xcode storyboards more like yep. you know drawing out like this uh you know drawing out this kind of plot of what what an app might be and it's kind of hard to do cuz like it, it feels like some days like if you do that you don't necessarily feel like you've done very much but it, it's i'm finding that it's really important yeah Totally. So some days I think the best thing to do is not to code. You know, it's one of the advantages of that we don't work in an office for someone else is that some days yeah. your mind just isn't in the right spot to be writing code. And if you were doing it, it's not going to be good anyway. You may as well spend your time doing something more productive. Playing Fallout 4. Yeah. <laughs> not totally. Not, not playing Fallout 4. <laughs> no, do it. Like, I think a lot of, and I don't, I can't present a better answer. But the whole working eight hours a day, 40 hours a week sort of system is flawed because yeah. it provides no advantage to getting the work really done any faster, if you know what I mean. Like, if you're getting paid per hour, you may as well slow down. Exactly. So <laughs> you may as well, if you're going to get the work done, there's no point in stressing out about it. So if you're not feeling great that day and there's plenty of time, play Fallout 4 and you will be a happier person overall and you will work better. That's how I like to look at it. So one of the things that I, I mean, I had a, I have a mate that works, uh, that still works at the design studio um, where I was working for a while. And uh, I found that while I was there a lot of the time, he would work late nights. Um, like he'd work, he'd work, like when I say late, like I'd walk out the door at like 5, 5.30 and he'd be still there at like, he'd leave at like 7.00. Which is crazy, I think. Like, I, I don't, I, and I told, I, I told him this. I was like, "You really shouldn't be doing that. Like, you're work, you're overworking yourself because you're staying till seven most nights, and all you're doing, like, you're not doing anybody any favors by doing that. All you're doing is making it so that, like, you come into work the next day and you haven't had any, like, any downtime." in between like you've gone home and gone to bed maybe eaten something and then you're coming straight back into work and there's no downtime there there's no like decompression there's no uh you know there's no like stepping away and letting your brain kind of yeah have a break and there's so many benefits to like that kind of stepping away from the you know stepping away from xcode stepping away from work and you know doing other things you know in that like your brain continues to work your brain continues to work while you're even asleep. Like you're, you, how many times you know have you heard of people who have had you know come up with ideas in the middle of the night? And it's just because like it's the time that like your brain is kind of you know processing all of the stuff over the, from the course of the day. And it, it's the same with like you know if you get up and you go for a walk during the middle of the day, it means that you're you're know, stepping away from the work you know from work and. You might be having a hard, you know, you've got a hard problem where you're just butting up against the wall and, you know, you just can't get past it and you go for a walk and you won't even necessarily be thinking about it. You'll be, you know, looking at the birds or the, you know, the the, the dog that seems to be like have gotten away from its owner or something like that. And you just, you know, you'll be completely thinking about other things and you'll get back to the desk and you'll sit down and you'll just suddenly it'll be like, it'll, it'll be there. Like it'll, yeah, so often that is the case. Like working too much is is 
kind of crazy. But even more so, like sometimes, like sometimes working isn't about coding or you know producing the code. It's about the thinking about it. Like it's about that kind of just just thinking about what you're doing, like being yeah, slowing down and taking a step back. Yeah, because sometimes that's when the the real like that's when the real kind of solutions kind of come to you. I think. Yeah, and I mean my whole thing about take it you know if you're not feeling it that day don't stress too much it kind of has this huge assumption of having a realistic workload for a lot of people that doesn't isn't true which is why they work these ridiculous hours but that's just yeah i guess that's one thing that i focused on this year is actually having a realistic workload like i make an effort to not overwork not stress out Mm. yeah i think i think that's really important I think it's really important when it comes to like you know trying to you know even just like keeping keeping your head I I think it just you know just keeping your sanity it's important to make sure that you you know you're spending time that you're not coding you know you're stepping away you're um you know you you're actually thinking about the stuff you're because otherwise if all you're doing is just code 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 all you everything that you do is going to be reactionary your work, everything that you do is going to be a reaction to something like to to the problems that you're kind of approaching. Whereas if you step away and actually plan for these things, you're kind of on, you're now no longer like like on defense, you're offense. And so like you can actually attack these, you, you can attack these problems kind of before they even, you know, they, they're even coming up. But you can't do that if you're not planning, if you're not thinking about things and if you're not like, spending a little bit of time not actually writing code but just thinking about the code or thinking about the project. Yeah, so this has all just reminded me. When I first moved to London, I had a real problem with working too much. So basically, I moved here, didn't know anyone, so I just, like, worked heaps. So I'd start at, like, 6.30 in the morning because I I wake up early. Also, you've just changed time zones. I'd work all day, you know, eat lunch at my desk, just keep working, working, working. And I didn't, like think anything was wrong except that i was just constantly like oh man i don't really like london it's kind of a depressing place and it took me a couple of months to realize i only didn't like it because all all i was doing was working yeah so yeah big realization there i think that's really like that's a really important thing i think it's i think it's possibly even more important than anything like any other lesson that you can learn about development is that sometimes development isn't about development. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> sometimes development is about everything else. And because, well, I mean, just even thinking about like, where, like if you're thinking about like, a, you're trying to come up with products that you're, uh, that you want to create, like as an indie developer or, or whatever, if that's, if that's your goal in life and you're trying to come up with the, you know, these products that you use, like, how are you going to come up with the products? How are you going to come up with solutions if you never have the problems in the first place? If all you're doing is developing, like all you're going to like that's they're the only pro- that's the only problems that you're ever going to face. Whereas like, you know, people come up with these great solutions for things. You know, the the pe- people have created podcast apps. Like they've created podcast apps because they want to listen to podcasts. That's a, you know, they found a problem, they wrote a solution. But if they all they're doing is working at, you know, working on stuff, they're not going that's not going to be a problem that they had in the first place unless you listen to podcasts while you work which i can't do i can't listen to podcasts while i work either it's impossible i don't know how people do that yeah i don't i used to for a while and i don't even know i i st- like i look back and i'm like did maybe i just wasn't working <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was a good thing no i like but 
gift wrapped, like as gift wrapped as an example for me was massive. Like the entire reason that gift wrapped exists is because I wanted to create, like I wanted a way to quickly grab a bunch of gifts and stick them in a folder somewhere and just share them from there because there was no real way of doing that easily. Like that was a problem that I ran into kind of constantly, constantly over and over again. But you can't like, you can't find these problems and figure out the solution to them. If you, all you do is just code all day because you won't be spending any time thinking about potential solutions to things that are around you. And that's where, like that's where the ideas come from. That's where, like you know, the great apps are born in in that kind of space. I think. Yeah, agreed. Well, that one got really deep and emotional. Really hit some points with me there. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. What have you got for us? <laughs> I don't think I can follow that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, I'm gonna come on. You can do it. After the great line of development isn't always about development. I'm going to bring it back to development. <laughs> awesome. I like it. So, I like where you're going with this. A big focus for me this year was trying to think more functionally. And I guess this kind of goes with my last point. But I've kind of like brought some, I guess, some guidelines into my coding style. So one yeah. of the big ones that I've changed from is these days when I write a method to do something, I prefer to pass everything that that method needs into it. Even if those things I'm passing in are just like properties. So even that method could access those properties itself, what I do is I pass them in instead. Really? Yeah, I know. It's cr- you might think, wow, Ben, you're crazy. But what it does is it, it makes that function nice and self-contained. It makes it reusable. It makes it obvious what that function needs. So it's kind of like limiting the side effects. And I try to pass everything in as immutable. So that function's not going to change any of those things, which might cause some other side effect. It just takes in what it okay. needs does some fancy processing and passes out a result. That's what I aim for. Yeah. Actually, did you know that there is an attribute that you can apply in at least an Objective-C? There's attributes that you can apply to, to methods on classes that say that they don't mutate the, you know, the, the object that they're, and like, that they're attached to. Oh, yeah. It's designed to make it so that they don't, like, so it you know, speeds things up because it knows it doesn't have to like, worry about the object itself. I only found that out like... A few weeks ago, it was exciting. I, I still haven't used it because I think all of my <laughs> all of my methods they mutate their 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 objects. Yeah, that probably came in around you know like we got I guess the kind of optional stuff in Objective C. So you've got your I think it's been around for longer than that. Because yeah. it's not like they've been slowly coming in over time. I kind of like lost track of Objective C. I used to be right on top of it, but yeah, because Ob- Objective C has like these aren't like the nullable kind of uh tokens or whatever these are like actual attributes that you like kind of specify and they've got this crazy you know format that you have to enter them in there's like underscore underscore attribute underscore underscore and then uh open parentheses open parentheses and then you write your attribute and you might have like you know there might be kind of values that go into that so I, I I use it. I do use I, I use this format for specifying deprecated things. Yeah, I mean they don't. It doesn't last usually last for long because ninety percent of the time, all I'm doing is I go through, I go through and deprecate a bunch of methods that I'm I'm planning on removing anyway, and it just means that I can find all of the instances where it's being called, so I can make those adjustments. Mm-hmm. That's 
but you, that, those attributes, like that 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 same attribute, you can use the same format to like at, uh, attribute it as being like a read only thing or a whatever. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes that go in there. I'll have to look up the. I think there's an NS hipster article. I'll, I'll look it up and throw it in the show notes. Sounds good. Because uh, it's give it a kind read. of cool. So when Swift came out and we had all these like cool functional techniques. It was really tempting to write these crazy one-liners all the time. You know, like, look how much stuff mm. I can achieve with so little characters. I'm like the best programmer ever. But you quickly realize that's a bad idea. Like, your code still yeah. has to be readable a week, a month, a year later. And so if you've got oh yeah, some array, dot map, dollar zero, transformed, flat map, blah, filter, reduce, all in one line, that's a bad idea. I mean, it was really cool that you worked that out. But now delete that and write it out so that I can actually read it. And that's what goes through my head. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do this. I, I do a lot of the same thing, but I stick it. I mean, I typically will stick it like on them on separate lines. So just kind of, I don't know. That makes me feel better about it, I think. Another one was for loops just seemed like so uncool now. Like, why would I use a for loop? I can map everything because map, like that's what the cool no. kids use, map. But no. For, for loops are kind of good for certain certain things sometimes sometimes you need that index and stuff oh so the you can get the the index if you want like that's the point like, yeah but anyway oh. so the rule is no side effects so if you're like just taking in an array and returning another array so yeah. you're just kind of transforming yeah whereas nothing else is going to happen except what's within that map yeah that's a map use a map there yeah not a for loop yeah if you have side effects so let's say you have an array of tasks that are going to fire off like some yeah. async thing i've got an array of network requests uh. so it, instead of mapping that array even though i totally could i could map over that array and go like task.fire and that would work that's not a good okay that's the rule that's a for loop and yeah you're right sometimes mm. you need an index because you need to modify something else with that index a la a side effect yeah like you're trying to match up two different arrays or something and you can't really like you can't really map through two arrays at the same time. I bet you come up with something fancy there. Flat map them together. Re- Probably reduce them down yeah. to one value. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of like an excellent example. I know I've done it definitely before. So it might be something along the lines of like you've got a bunch of values that go in various fields, uh, and you're also like mapping through the fields. Oh, of course, it comes um, up like these kind of you know th- things at the same time. So you just kind of, but and they're both in a, an array, and and you know that like they're all you know they're all lined up, so their indexes are correct and stuff like that. So or whatever you know, there, there are instances like that where you just kind of mapping to you. You're essentially mapping two arrays, but you're doing it kind of together to make things a bit cleaner or simpler mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm sure there are better ways. And one last thing that I've been getting into is. I guess with the functional, everyone also talks about the reactive. So at first, yeah. like I took it way too far. I was just trying to make everything react to everything else, mm. which, you know, that just sounds like a bad idea when you say it like that. Mm. And that's because it is a bad idea. Yeah. So I've kind of paired it back a bit. I use it all the time now with dealing with network requests, especially ones where you've got reliant requests. So, you know, one request and then after that's finished, you need to make another one and then another one, and then after that you might need to make two together at the same time. I mean, this is sounding like a horrible API, but you know, it happens. (laughs) (laughs) Some APIs are actually horrible. The reactive techniques, whatever library you choose, 
I tend to use RX Java a lot because I'm doing this in Android. Um, but you can use Rack or Promise Kit or any of the ones we've talked about this year. Yeah, we had an episode. They are great, but just use them carefully and sparingly because it can quickly get out of hand on you. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I still haven't really gotten into the reactive thing or, I mean, or really the functional thing. And I think that might be to do with the fact that uh, I'm in Objective-C and I know you can do reactive and I know you can do functional in Objective-C. Don't please, please understand that I understand that, that but I don't like the idea and I've said this so many times, I don't like the idea of adding dependencies for the sake of dependencies. So a lot of the time I'll just, you know, I'll just deal with the stuff that I've got. Yeah. So I think what happened to me was because I work in Android, async, the way they do asynchronous stuff. Like, yeah. So on iOS, you've got Grand Central Dispatch and everyone praises it for being the hero that it is. And it's because it's very good. We didn't really have yeah. anything like that on Android. The the process to kick off something asynchronous was so verbose that kind of looking around for another dependency to fix this problem. And Rx Java is the one that does it the best. So I started using it. And as I got better at it, I started seeing, wow, like this is actually really good. I want to use this back when I go back to iOS. And that's why I ended mm. up with, I used PromiseKit a bit this year on iOS, which we've talked about. And it was because Rack just felt way too heavy like I wanted to use the techniques I had learned, but Rack is like such a huge dependency, right? It comes with so much other stuff, so I chose a more lightweight one. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think that's actually a really good plan. Like, I mean, I I kind of I might be a little bit too allergic to to dependencies. Like, I will avoid them at like probably at my own uh, expense sometimes. But I, I I think it's still like I think it's also fair to be somewhere in the middle like you don't want to just like throw in dependencies and like oh i've heard this is a great library so i'm just going to use this sometimes you should just you should just not do that like sometimes it's a lot better for you to uh stick with the original thing or find us you know a more lightweight you know thing that can do it because otherwise you just you, your your code base is going to get out of control and you're going to have all these extra things that you don't necessarily need and it's uh, it's it's something to I think be 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 very careful and mindful of. Yeah. So I guess we've we've looked at the past, we've reminisced. How about we take a quick yeah quick thought about what we're going to do in the future? Anything that's happened this year that's made you think I would do that differently next year? Two thousand sixteen. So up until like I I've obviously mentioned to, even just today like obviously I've mentioned that. Uh, you know, I'm, done, I'm not really using a lot of Swift at the moment. I'm like GIFRAFT is most still, you know, probably ninety percent uh, Objective C, and that's partially because I, I like I did try to like you know transfer a few things over to Swift and ended up having to backtrack because it just it didn't necessarily you know uh, it caused me issues in other places. So I haven't really touched a lot of Swift as of as of yet. Um, and it, I do have. So I I am looking into. Uh, I'm looking to do something new next year. I'm looking to do some uh, like a new project, something that's not gift wrapped, and I'm going to approach it. I think in in all Swift. And there's possible. There's a, there is a possibility that I'm going to get into the uh, into all of these things that we've been talking about. Mm. Watch out for Swift 3. Yeah, Swift 3. Now that we've well, seen I mean, the future, and there's huge changes yeah. coming. So just yeah, watch no. out. That doesn't throw your uh, indie project 
off the rails and add a few months to the release. Look, it's okay. I think I think I'll be able to manage. And the thing is, is that I think it's a lot easier to start a new project in Swift than it is to try and like bring an old project over. Yeah, I know it's definitely. supposed to be super easy, and there's all nah, that sort of stuff. But it's not. I find I find that there's it's the little things that get you with it. So I'm looking like you know looking into next year, 2016. I think my next project that I'm you know starting to you know prepare for and all that sort of stuff right now uh, is gonna be is gonna be Swifty. Swifty. I like it. it sounds good. Tailored in Swift. Tailored in Swift. Yeah. I'm going to sh- I'm going to shake it off. <laughs> so what about your future? So cuz I'm doing so much Android, right? I'm working a lot yeah. in Android Studio, which is based on IntelliJ. Right. And I'm getting so used to all of those like refactoring features and IntelliJ mm. basically writes everything for you but like does it really intelligently. You can just hit alt Alt enter like your whole way down your file, and it just knows what you're thinking and fills out the whole thing for you, and then you go eat lunch. Like that's how I work now. <laughs> I like it. Gosh, why, where, why is this not been in my life? Well, exactly right. Exactly. So this is making me think. Like, so when I open up Xcode, I just get every time I type a character, it beach balls for a second, and then it shows the next character. I'm losing faith. I'm losing faith in Xcode, <laughs> and so I think next year it might be time to trial App Code. Okay. Yeah. I I mean I've heard great things about AppCode, so it you know, yeah, it it seems like it seems like the thing to do. And it's based on the same it's based on the same thing. It's based on IntelliJ as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So it's all based on JetBrains is like ID engine and they put out a version for like heaps of different languages. So the Android Studio one is kind of a a fork of IntelliJ, which is their Java IDE, JetBrains Java IDE. So Google brought Android Studio yeah. in-house and they work on it and add their own features, but they also constantly pull in the, the changes from IntelliJ. So a lot of the big features right. we're getting in Android Studio 2.0 are actually from, I believe, IntelliJ 15. Okay, that's cool. But anyway, so app code is the same thing, hopefully. That's what I'm going to find out. You know, actually, I think we should both try out app code. And report, and report back. And report back, Yeah. If we like have an episode where we like where we've used uh, app code for a while, we can uh, we can talk about it. That'll be awesome. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Like, I think I think that's I, I think this has been been kind of cool. Like, we've had a you know we had a look at the past and we had a look at the future and uh, and you know I, I'm actually a little bit excited about what you know next year has in store and what new projects you know the new projects that I plan on working on have in store and. Uh, it's 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 kind of exciting. Are you excited? Are you excited, Ben? I am excited. I feel like we need some sort of cliffhanger ending, though, because you know, like this is the end of the oh. season. We need like some sort of yeah. Next time on Mobile Couch, Ben is back in Australia. Yeah, explosion, <laughs> boom! Yeah. But will he make it off the plane? <laughs> <laughs> well, to find out, you'll have to tune in. I don't even know the ending yet. Mm. Will he make it back alive? So if you'd like to read about any of the things that we mentioned, we did kind of have a couple of little articles that we've we've kind of plugged. Uh, if you'd like to read any of them, they'll be in the show notes. The show notes are on our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash 73. You can also send us an email. Tell us about the things that uh, that you kind of learned in 2015 and 
and all the things that you know you, you're looking forward to and you, you're thinking about for the future in 2016. We are hello at mobilecouch.co or you can jump on the website. That's mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. Now, if you'd like to contact us individually, you know, it's almost New Year's, send some New Year's tweets. Uh, you can do that. Ben is on Twitter, Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you, everybody, for listening this year. It has been a great year. We've been... It's been so great to be able to talk to you. It's it's amazing. It's we're we're so we're so grateful that you guys uh, you know tune in every fortnight to listen. Uh, we're we're so glad that you've been enjoying the episodes, and you know we hope that you have a great new year and uh, you know and and go into two thousand sixteen refreshed and excited about the future. So until then, goodbye. Bye.